0: Welcome to the Pubcast, your inside look at electronic publishing, from ebooks to websites to podcasts and more. Join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing.
1: is joining us all the way from London, and I'm thrilled to have her on the show. I had the pleasure and honor of working for Krista about seven years ago as a beauty and fashion intern for her website, Beauty in the Dirt, and as someone who at that point in my life had absolutely no publishing experience, Krista gave me the opportunity to completely immerse myself in the digital publishing world, and she really opened my eyes to this fast-paced and ever-changing industry. Krista has been such a pioneer in the world of digital publishing, launching Beauty in the Dirt, the UK's first female independent lifestyle website in 2000, founding Handpicked Media several years later, a digital agency representing some of the most talented bloggers and bloggers in the worlds of beauty, fashion, food, travel, and entertainment. And she's also the co-founder and director of We Elevate, an agency specializing in integrated SEO and content strategy to help. Begins build their businesses online. And by the way, she's also the founder of My Sign Makeup, a collection inspired by and tailored to the signs of the zodiac. Crystal, welcome and thank you so much for being on the show. Hello, ah. hello from rainy London. It's rainy here in Boston too. It's not spring yet. It's so depressing. It's so winter here. It is. Yeah, it's horrible. But never mind. <laughs> I want to first go back to 2000 when you launched Beauty in the Dirt. What was the digital publishing world like at that time, and how? Did did your website come about? Well, there wasn't
0: much of a, a digital publishing um, world for sort of for everyone. It was much more of a kind of a geeky boys in shorts doing things that were kind of either about sport or techie stuff. And the reason I started my site is that my very first business was um, a hair and makeup agency um, and uh, representing stylists, photographers, makeup artists who worked on shoots. So I had that for about 10 years, I think, before I started Beauty in the Dirt. And uh, so I felt like I had access to lots of information that people were reading about in magazines, but it was a bit swayed because a lot of the information that you read on a beauty page really depended on if a beauty advertiser was buying pages in Cosmo that month. So nothing really was very independent. Well, not nothing, not all of it was independent. Um, and I found that... um Through the shoots that I was booking my makeup artist work on or the stylist, my friends were always asking me, what lipstick is that? What eye cream shall I use? Where can I buy this? What can I do? And I was like a source of information for just my sort of circle of friends. And I thought, well, if my friends want to know everything, then surely I've got this kind of information that a lot of other people might want to know. So I started Beauty in the Dirt really just as a bit of fun to make my brain work and learn something new. I had um I had some friends, some guy friends that had started um a site, and it was you know again before you just found cats on YouTube doing strange things around lamp posts uh, that there, there were websites that posted silly stuff that was on the internet and you went to those sites to watch it you, you kind of YouTube wasn't the greatest source of information then and um got It really was like 18 years ago. My God, people just weren't even born. So I started the site. They said, look, we'll make you a website and you can just do whatever you like on it. And I had to write everything in HTML. There was no WordPress themes and templates. You know, it was actually had to be built as a site. So um, it was a lot harder to load. It didn't have pictures on it, really. I I was based on a cartoon character. I kind of made her a makeup artist. I kind of wanted it to be the face and the voice of the industry that I was working in which is like fashion and beauty but I didn't really want it to be me because I didn't want people to read it and think oh that's you because I I also lived in central London I went to lots of film premieres and parties and sort of quite had quite a sort of celebrity lifestyle not that I was one but it was pre Instagram as well so people weren't used to people flaunting things on social media so I kind of had this, um, yeah, this fun kind of site that was a bit what was going on in London and what went on behind the scenes on a photo shoot, what makeup artists use. And it was, it was the first female site in the UK that was independent and there were no magazines, um, or newspapers that had sites then either. So it was huge. It had like a million followers, yeah, you know, a million uniques a month. And it was, it was really quite a global. Um, enterprise because I spoke to mostly girls in the States that were blogging because in the US you were ahead of us when it came to beauty. And so I kind of found myself, you know, emailing people and, and chatting on, online to beauty bloggers in the, in the US. And I found that interesting because I, I was really fascinated, still am, I guess, by the beauty industry. But yeah. So it was kind of, there wasn't much else around in the UK that was similar, not, Not long after, there was a website called handbag.com that was owned by Boots, a pharmacy over here at the time. And then that became Hearst Publishing. Um, And that was the first kind of attempt of a website that was a female site. And then slowly, magazines started to have their websites. But they were really... um, And it's kind of... It's still struggling a bit. There was always this sort of tug of war between the magazine and the website because the magazine was the was the face and you know the cover and that's what made the money because that was you know that's traditionally what publishers were used to like you part with your cash for a magazine and they didn't really like giving away you know anything for free online so th- there was always these kind of a, a gesture of a website but not really fully comprehensive like we used to now uh, and 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 they wouldn't want to pay people to work on the website because they didn't, you know, they didn't earn money from them. And and advertising hadn't quite caught up really for, for the, you know, to compensate for the amount of traffic and stuff. So it was a funny time, really, because websites were just emerging, but no one really went on them. They wanted the independent sites because they were the ones that were passionate about delivering information because they didn't
1: care about revenues because they never had any, you know. And when it comes to design and look, is that something that you kind of came up with as you were going along and thought oh I like this template or this looks good to me or this feels like it would be kind of the tone of the site or did you have a clear image in your mind first before you started designing the look
0: well the the very first uh, beauty in the dirt how it looked it's completely different how it looks now because um, there were no there weren't templates you had to literally decide how many pages do I want you know what subcategories will I have and what you know colors and fonts really with what you were looking at for a logo and like I said, I made it an animation. So I made Mimi the make, I called her a makeup artist and I called her Mimi because I looked after a bunch of makeup artists that were just only worried about themselves. So I made, it was all Mimi, me, me, me. So I called her Mimi. So I made her a cartoon character. So everything on the site was sort of cartoon related and, and there was little sort of quirky gifts and things, I guess at the time, again, we weren't really calling them gifts. It was just little bits of animation. So I went really with what I was given <laughs> by the boys that have, that have built it, and then as as it came to, as you as it was easier to have you know load pictures and WordPress had started. I still had things custom built though. I guess I was um, very aware that people even back then, you know, people wanted to click on something that was visual, so you wanted something that was really picture heavy. Uh, I get think I've always sort of wanted to have sites that were quite. Pinterest boardy in a way that you know you you want to see a picture and then you'll click on to read about it if you if you're interested it's always a picture normally leads you to a story so you know or or a good headline or something so yeah d- design wise I've always liked really simple simple to get around websites I hate anything that's too complicated or too busy I you know, click straight through to a story and read it I don't want to be led around you know loads of different tabs that I can try and find the beauty carousel that's going to show me the 10 best red lipsticks or something. I want something to be really simple.
1: Right. And I think one of the hardest things, and speaking of Mimi, and I know that when I first came on board, that was a tone of voice that I needed to learn. And I think one of the hardest things when you first create a blog or launch a website is kind of finding your audience and finding your voice. So how do you really zone in on that voice and kind of keep it consistent whenever you have new writers or someone joining the team?
0: Well, I mean, it's harder now because you have to try and stand out. I mean, it's just impossible to try and find a niche, I think. But um, back then, the way I always said, I probably said it to you, and I probably still say it now to the interns that's with us now, that, you know, the way that I want you to write on Beauty in the Dirt is the way that you're talking to your friends, because I, I want it to be really easy. You know, it's got to be good grammar and, you know, spell-checked and, and punctuation marks, but... Um, I want it to be easy to read. Um, again, people don't want to spend a long time reading long articles. You know, they'll buy Vanity Fair for that. Um, they, they want a picture. They want a caption. Uh, they want a bit of information that they can, you know, feel like they've they'll come back to your site again because they've read something that's new. So the tone has always for me just been really, you know, accessible uh, and easy, um, easy to read really. We're not trying to be highbrow. I mean, it was a cartoon character and we're talking about lipsticks. So, you
1: know, we're not touching on Russian sort of cyanide. Keep it light and and make it fun. And when a blogger is first starting out, what are some questions that they should be asking themselves when building their brand or website?
0: Well, I think more than ever, and I've always, again, I've, I've kind of always said this, but I think it counts for even more now is that It has to be, and it might sound really obvious, but it has to be something that you really, really, really like doing and that you're really passionate about. Because there are so many people now building a brand or there's a fitness blogger or they're a beauty blogger or they're a food blogger. There's just thousands. In order to stand out and actually still want to write on your blog or post on social media, you've got to want to do it. And so many people I meet or have met over the years that have said, okay, well, you know, there's not many, there's not many blogs out there for women over 40 and it's all young people. And me and my friends, you know, we're going to do a post once a week and we're, we've got all this and I go, okay, yeah, that's good. I know they're not going to do it because you have to want to do it regularly. And it's not because they're over 40. It's not because they're age, but it's because they've got busy lives. So if, if you're going to start something online, and you're not being paid for it because most people, you know, are not earning money. They're doing it as a bit of a passion project or a vanity project. It has to be, or to connect, you know, to connect with other people, whatever it is that you get out of posting online, it generally isn't going to be cash. So it needs to be something that you love, that you want to do, that makes you want to go to your laptop or your phone, however, you know, and write. So got to really mean something to you and, and not, mean something to you because you love what everyone else is doing it's got to mean something to you like really 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 a lot
1: (laughs) and what are some of the mistakes that you see new bloggers making when they first is it just they they get too ahead of themselves and they just take on too much yeah I think when you know when you when you're starting if if we're talking about
0: making a website or a blog I mean everything seems to be Instagram now people don't even start blogs anymore they just start an Instagram feed but if you are going back to sort of the Uh, you know, actually having a physical blog, just don't give yourself too many tabs of subjects. (laughs) Again, it's something that I've always said is that, you know, if say you're a beauty blogger, you know, that's the area I know more than anything. And you've you've got another job or you're studying or you're a student and, you know, you know that you you really want to do this blog, but you haven't got time to do it too often. So you might do two or three posts a week, which I think is minimum. Then, uh, you know, just do one tab. Don't say, right, I'm going to have a hair category, a fitness category, a things I love to eat, my favorite, but don't give yourself six or seven tabs because what you'll end up with is a website that has got one category that you post that all the time. And then three or four that when someone clicks onto them, you haven't posted for three months. So it just makes your, your site look sort of old when actually you could just have like one, you know, one blog post a day or, you know, something that is a bit more simple that, keeps it looking really fresh.
1: That's great advice. And I'm in the process of designing my own website too. And I feel like there is that pressure to just kind of be the all around total package of knowing everything in every area. Because you think, oh, I, you know, I love fashion and I love film and, you know, I love, I love baking or I love smoothies
0: and I love fitness. and all these things you love, which is great, but just make the blog about you, and just post in that one area. Don't divide it. You don't have to try and be a magazine. You know, it, if it's your blog, and I don't know, you know, what you're calling yours, but, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's a lifestyle channel, I think. And I always think bloggers, the most interesting blogs are ones about, you know, a, a lifestyle, not just beauty or just fashion. I think when someone comes to your blog, they want, they want to know personality behind it. They don't want you to try and be a beauty editor or they don't want you to try and be, something that you're not if they connect with you it's because of something that you're that you're giving out so so don't try and be a fashion editor and try and be a, a fitness blogger
1: just be you and have that one channel i love that so going back to social media you were one of the early adopters of social media when it started really blowing up how important is it really to a new website and how can a blogger use it effectively to build their brand? Well, it's funny now, you know, because I think that they're a little bit, they're a bit separate.
0: When I started the first, uh, social media platform I use was Twitter and Twitter was really fun then. I mean, I didn't, um, I was a bit late to Instagram actually, because I thought, Oh God, I've just got enough. You know, I run businesses and I've got Twitter and I've got my, you know, website. And, you know, I run a beauty salon for eight years as well in the middle of that. So I, I loved Twitter when it started because it was a really small little community. And I felt that, you know, I went home and I, I wanted to tweet and I, I connected with people that were really helpful, um, for either content ideas or just to sort of get awareness of my site or for business. Twitter now has become just a huge noise, and it, mostly for brands they're on there as like a customer service or personalities are just trying to build a following so they can sell a book or, you know, have a brand. So Instagram obviously then became the kind of the next thing. Now it's gigantic and it's obviously horrible. Now it's connected to Facebook because they plug it with loads of algorithms that apparently we only, you only see like 7% of your feed now or something and everyone's always. Like, campaign against that. But I found that over the last maybe sort of three years, people that had really interesting blogs and worked really hard on content for their blogs just do Instagram and their Instagram posts, got, you know, like so much text underneath it. <laughs> you feel like you're reading posts rather than just capturing a, like a beautiful picture. And I kind of Instagram when I could scroll through pictures, not have to get through, you know, six inches of text in between each picture Um, So I think Twitter used to help. So all we still do now is that we send out a link to every story that we put on the site. And again, you would do that in your blog and you'd hope that that is a click through to people to read your story. I think Instagram, because for a a long time, I mean, you're you're now starting to be able to click on things to shop. But Instagram was never a click through thing. So it was always a standalone awareness. So you could build, you know, you could build a brand profile on there, but it's not getting traffic. I don't think it's driving traffic to your blog. And maybe that's why it's become so separate now is that people that used to blog now kind of they've neglected their blog so much and they're spending so much time on, on Instagram. So I I don't think Instagram massively helps your, your blog just because I've seen from, From experience, the amount of girls that I've seen that are huge on Instagram, when you look at the traffic on their blog, it's like, you know, two to three thousand monthly uniques if they're lucky, because they're not really putting content on there. And people have already seen what they're wearing or what they've had to say. They're not going to go onto their blog. And we're such a mobile society as well, is that blogs aren't, you know, as much as websites are mobile friendly, most people aren't going to read a whole blog post on their phone so it's just the devices
1: that we're reading things on dictate really what me, you know what platform we prefer. Do you feel like that's kind of the trend that's going to because of Instagram where people are just looking at photos they don't necessarily want to read long posts? Or do you think that there's still an audience for someone who wants to publish their fiction on their website or do longer stories? Do you think there's still a platform for that? Yeah, and I hope it goes back, to be honest. I think it, it depends. On, I
0: think if you're a fashion blogger, I think you're going to stick with Instagram. I think if you're a food blogger or, you know, you you love writing, you know, if you've got more of a niche subject, I think you want to put that on a, on a website. But I think if it's sort of quite a visual medium that you're in, I think Instagram is going to be your place. You know, girls that are beauty bloggers, they're just putting a picture of their eye and they're tagging everything they've used on there and everything. And they're not going to do that all over again on their, on their blog. You know, I, I think that, Fashion and beauty feels very Instagram. I, I think you know the blog posts and websites are maybe a little bit more newsy and say like recipe led or you know wine lovers or you know it's it's gone a bit niche again. So maybe that that might mean like we're going back to how it was before. Not too sure, but um, I, I'd like I'd like people to to do more blogs. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of I think it's a shame that a lot of really good uh, websites have suffered or have disappeared because there's, there's not been the like advertisers. But this is the other thing is that advertising revenue and rates have gone down so much that websites used to be able to, you know, live off campaigns um, and even sponsored content. Now, you know, people want a, a sponsored Instagram post. They don't want to pay for a sponsored piece of content on a website so much. So um, it's all, you know, it's tricky really because revenues are dictating where people are putting their content. And vice versa.
1: That's such a fascinating point too, because I've been taking classes for magazine writing and obviously now magazines or prints are not having the best moment or times are changing and we're g- going to digital. But you see that issue in the digital world too, where even in, in that world advertisers don't really want to participate. Yeah, I
0: think that um like that it's just become, you know, independence and winning through, which is great in lots of ways, but the you know the GQs, the VOGues, and people like that—they're constantly re- rebuilding their site and re, you know, redesigning it to try and get people to come onto their site. But you know, we've become a society now where anyone can be a, you know a makeup artist or a personality or you know a comedian, or and that's great. You know, that is great in lots of ways. But not everybody's an expert, <laughs> and I, I do think it's a shame that. You know, I know a lot of journalists because obviously I'm, I'm quite old and I know of people that have, you know, studied and, and they're finding it really hard. You know, their careers have, have dried up. You know, there's so many people that are like smart writers that don't get paid anymore because magazines or you know, their
1: websites can't afford to pay them. How have the advances in digital technology either helped or maybe perhaps even hindered your own brand um well i guess you know
0: competition there's you know there's like loads of people now doing what i what i did and i think there's often a thing when you do things first you don't necessarily reap all the rewards because you kind of pave the way for people and so you know i I, there was a really brilliant time when i started because no one really knew where to put me so i went to press launches with Vogue and Tatler and, you know, all the kind of the glossies because I used to write about quite high-end products. Whereas I used to be, you know, the only digital person going to something. And then over the years, you know, a few other beauty blogs, you know, went along. But now, um, I mean, I've got, a you know, a decent name in the industry. And so I do get invited to things, but I... I look at, you know, I go to events now and I just think, God, there's like, you know, millions of bloggers at them. The way that everything's channeled is towards these young bloggers and, you know, they're teaching me like, you know, what an SPF is and things. And I just think, oh God, I'm just not interested. I've been here, done that. Everything's a bit dumbed down, which again, sounds a bit awful, but it it just is because I've been to, you know, a million press releases about sun protection uh, press press launches about sun protection whereas now press days are geared up for someone who's never been to one before because they're trying to reach out to a 21 year old blogger there's this real sort of there's a real mix of people there's you know the old school I'm never I was never trained to be a journalist I tra- I did photography and film in college that's what i learn so i never claim to be a journalist in any way but then you've got all these really great journalists that go to press days or you know a, a meeting a brand to find out about new product and they kind of look down the room and they just think that's that's not us there's this funny cliquey bunch of girls that are wearing six shades of highlighter and you know seven false eyelashes and are so dressed up you know, even if they're just going to see what a new bar of soap is um So, yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny time. And I would say that it was a brilliant time for a while. And you've probably caught me at a time when I'm a little bit disillusioned with um with digital, because it's just saturation point, I think.
1: If we're talking about SEO strategies, are there any, and someone's building their new site, are there any maybe top three that they should always keep in mind right off the bat?
0: Well, I think um, when you're thinking of a, of your actual name of your site, um, like your URL, um, so if you were starting, um, which is, again, it's quite hard to try and find a .com these days that hasn't been taken. If you think of, you know, Google, Google, uh, if you were starting a, a website and you were a, a, a beauty blogger, I guess, which is again, there's like millions of them, but say for instance, it was about beauty and you wanted it to be mostly about, gosh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, and it was, you know, you had black skin or it was Asian skin or you, you had a bit of a niche, but you, you're trying to think of like, if someone's searching for what you're writing about in Google is how you want to try and adapt your name. So if you, if you just, called the blog your actual name, how many people are going to be searching for that unless you're a huge, you know, it's your Kim Kardashian. So you want to try and put something about sort of like one of the main topics that you're going to be writing about in the title of your blog to really help Google recognize who you are so that you're getting picked up on on searches. So try not to be too obscure with your actual name. People like to be really clever and then they're just never going to come up on a search. So I would, you know, do a combination of quirky, but also google friendly i would make sure that when you are you know doing your that when you're writing your this is like basic seo i don't know if it's a bit too basic but so when you when you're writing a, a post Again, the title of your post should be including the topic of what you're talking about. So, rather than clever headlines, you want to try and include something that again is going to be picked up on. And also, the first couple of sentences in your um, actual content piece. Again, you know, again, really basic SEO. If you were writing about a new toothpaste and it was a whitening toothpaste and it helped against cavities or whatever, or first line of that sentence would be, um, I'm you know. Reviewing um, uh, toothpaste, which will really help fight cavities. Um, it, it will sound like an advertising bit of spiel, but again, when Google are searching for content to bring up on the first few pages, they kind of comb the first couple of sentences. So you want to try and get your, you know, the title of your piece of content. And the first few sentences need to try and include, you know, three or four of your big search terms. I find that the the content that gets read more, like if you're a smaller site now, it's really hard to try and sort of, you know, get first, second, sort of third page of Google um, to to be searched. But you want to try and make your content as topical as possible. So, for instance, if the Olympics were on, um, and you know you're a fashion blog, you think, how could I even talk about the Olympics? But Talking about the Olympics means is that's what everyone's searching for during that month. So if you can write about, you know, I love the kit or the colours or the, you know, the, the girls um, swimming costumes or this trend, you are going to get picked up on because you are writing really topical content. And as long as you've got like an SEO, if you you need like an SEO plugin for your WordPress or for your blog, you make sure you've got your keywords. Um, your meta tags you know there'll be a piece of um, in the back end when you're loading you'll have a, a space to write your tags and then you'll have a little seo bit to write about them the content of your piece but your topical pieces are gonna or if you get them up quick enough don't wait five days so if anna has, has interviewed someone and there's a controversial interview or you know she's turned up somewhere and she's got a different haircut write about it within like 3 hours <laughs> don't wait 3 days to write it so you know try even if and a good tip is that you know say you haven't got time to write a whole piece of content around this news story and just get something out like this, a few sentences as your opinion just say you've joined the flock you know so that if you've always got something that's quick and topical uh, on your site you're going to start um getting people come to your site more often and again google kind of rewards you for that another thing is to try and get sites that are bigger than you to write about you and link back to you because it's all about the back linking so the more sites that you know if you could ask to do an interview with a beauty editor at somewhere or refinery or whatever and trying to get links from bigger sites will help bump up your um SEO value as well to Google. And
1: if someone's interested in a career in digital publishing, what skills or experience should they have starting out? Do you have to be a master tech person or a brilliant writer? Or is there any kind of programs they should be trying or skills they need to learn right away? I think um, I think most people can
0: work get their way around the back of a WordPress site. I think they're quite simple, really. I think probably Photoshop and things like that are really helpful um, because if you want to start doing some graphics, you know, I, I think trying to do your own logos and, and making your site look clean and tidy. You know, I think the way something looks can be, can look professional rather than if you look at like really beautiful sites that have spent a lot of money on design, it may be worth sort of doing in design or doing some sort of design courses so that you've got more of a, a, a good eye about things. Cleaning up pictures and, you know, making for something look professional will, wouldn't do a bad, wouldn't be bad. spelling which I find is something people don't know very much but most people know how to use WordPress I'd put the time in in researching the the topic that you want to write about so you sound like you know what you're talking about
1: is there a new tool or program that you're dying to learn or master do you know what i since i've started doing the the my sign
0: makeup and i kind of follow more um and plus i also i'm an agent for a facialist and a, and a nail person and the facialist is kind of quite high profile um megan markle and sort of you know kate moss and people like that so i and she has a kind of a a unique inner facial massage technique. And so I've always been interested in sort of beauty. As so I had a beauty salon for a long time. And I think as I've become more disenamored with online, because I've been there for a quite a long time, um, it, the kind of courses and things that I want to learn are things like nutrition or Indian head massage, or, you know, I kind of would like to do things that take me out of, the digital space actually, because I've spent so long looking at a screen, and and I, you know, I'm really into fitness. And so, yeah, I'm getting older. I'm trying to preserve myself, so I'm really much more from a, a personal point of view into health and fitness and. Uh, So they're the things I'd be more interested in rather than learning something that was sort of digital, I guess.
1: When you created your own makeup collection, are you able to apply the same content strategies that you use in digital publishing to sell an actual physical product online? Well, I guess it helped that
0: I wasn't scared of social media um, and designed my website again in a way that, you know, I've always... Been quite clear of like well how I want a homepage and how I want things to lead and what t- topics I want to cover. So designing the website and the actual social media I do myself. So that helps because obviously I've had tons of experience in it. Designing the colours and the way that I wanted palettes to look. Again, I'd been you know following beauty uh, on social media for a long time and seeing makeup artists and what people like online. So I guess that was a steer it, that helped me. In terms of you know knowing that everyone loved Huda and everyone loved all these different you know what trends and colors people like and formulas, so that was the experience of being you know on Instagram all the time. I guess that I I took from that, and and plus you know the twenty God twenty seven longer God so longly in in the in makeup like working with makeup artists and being in the beauty industry, so the whole of my um, career really. Has helped me um,
1: make makeup, um, which is strange. I never thought I would. What about Beauty in the Dirt or Handpicked? What, where do you see those going um, over the next couple of years? Well, Beauty in the Dirt
0: is always going to be kind of my baby, I guess, in a way. And both of both Beauty in the Dirt and Handpicked have given me loads of access to lots of you know people, brands, opportunities, travel you know, so much you can learn because you get invited to come, you know, go and meet all these different experts. I'm so lucky. The amount of people I I get to, you know, meet on a press day that, you know, you just take for granted that you meet all these people. So that's brilliant. And I learned so much from them. So I'd always want to keep beauty in the dirt, even though I don't write for it all the time, because I don't really have the time. That's something I'd actually, if I could go back to doing more by myself, but I need to be in a better position to do that. And actually handpicked is handpick's in a, in a funny place because we've now working much more on the ads. And um, than we do on sponsored stuff, because when I first started handpicked media, um, we were the kind of, well, I was the f- first person really going into ad agencies and brands and saying, look, you're going to be working with bloggers. And they were like, no, we're not. And so, well, you will. And this is, you know, this is the way it's going. And, so many people used to sort of just say, well, come in and just tell us. And then you'd leave and you'd tell them what Twitter was and people would be doing this. And, and you know, I set up Yves Saint Laurent and Lancome on their, on their Twitter page, gave them their first tweets and things. And, and they would say, well, thanks for telling us. We we won't be using any of that stuff because we'll stick with the magazines. But, you know, it's good to know. So that was a long time ago. So when first started doing their first kind of campaigns with People that were independent, they were scared because whereas before they were able to control what the magazines wrote about them because no magazine would write anything bad about an Estee Lauder lipstick because Estee Lauder had just spent a quarter of a million with them that month or something, you know. So they always knew that there was going to be nothing bad in a mag, but because these bloggers weren't controlled by them, they were scared that, you know, if anything negative it was something they just never had experienced before. So I, when I recruited people to join handpicked, when I recruited them, I said, look, you know, if you're going to do a a commercial campaign with us, if we give you a product or you're on a campaign with something that you're not sure about, well, first of all, if I recruit you and you don't like it, then you're just going to say, no, I don't want to be in that campaign. But if you decide to take the money and be part of a campaign. Don't before you want to write something negative, you come to me and I'll feed that back to the client, and then the client can decide. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Comment what you're saying or no, and then we'll take you off the campaign and we'll find someone else. So, I was always a bit of an, an in between, um a, a buffer, really, between a, a client and a and a blogger for a long time. And I gave my creative ideas and how to do campaigns. But obviously, over the years, and as Instagram has become, you know, a place, a source, really for anyone to find popular um, bloggers, we're not needed as much so it's kind of like having a, it's a different time for Handpick now it's, it's enabled me to have a few people that I rep now um, that are bigger you know like a couple of bigger bloggers so I have more of an agent role for them um, but the actual sponsored posts side and the creative side, and we do events again we're kind of good at putting on events for people but the sponsored posts and things, everyone just goes direct so it's in a it's in a different place which is why I guess I'm I'm not as enamored with it as I used to because I just look at people doing things that I did a long time ago and I'm like okay yeah, I did that I remember those ideas yeah I remember you saying you didn't want to work with that person and now you are and and it, for a while you would have agencies come to you and ask for all your ideas of how to do something not book you and then just go and do it all directly. And I'm kind of just a bit sick of that. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see handpicked being something that I want to build up or refresh. Really. I would rather concentrate on building my brand uh, or like I do consultancy work with other people, being an agent for people, um, yeah, I kind of feel like Handpick's not
1: had its day, but it's had—I think it's had its sort of time in the sun. Krista, this has been amazing advice. Um, before we go, where where can people find you online if they want to follow along? So I'm on Instagram, which is just me, really. So that's um, at
0: Krista underscore Madden, and then they obviously, obviously, there's beautyinthedirt.com. dot com. They can find my sign collection if they want to look at makeup and things about the full
1: moon. Yeah, so they're are the, a the couple of places that you can find me posting regularly. Thank you so so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it, and this has been so wonderful. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: This has been The Pubcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.